Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the Mitchin podcast. Hey and welcome to the Mitchin. This is a food podcast. Our first food podcast in I think 2018 was the last time we recorded. Um, and, uh, the last time, first of all, I'm Andrew Levins and, um, I'm a, I used to have a restaurant and now I don't, and I'm all the better for it. Um, but, uh, I do writing, I do writing about food now. I'm still involved in the food industry somehow. Um, but significantly less involved than my co-host for today's episode. Uh, the last time we recorded a conversation, uh, this man had, uh, his own restaurant called Acme. Um, he was uh, a few weeks away from opening up uh, a pop-up. So at one point, in, in, in between now and then, he actually had two restaurants at one point. Uh, at the moment, he, he's, he's then gone on to... We're going to go through a little bit of a history for anyone that hasn't stayed up to date with uh, with Mitch's past, recent past. But uh, at the moment, late, most recently, he's been cooking at Chichabella um, in Bondi. Um, and we're going to find out that little journey I thought it would be fun to talk about today. Uh, and now... Uh, no one has a restaurant in Sydney. There's, there's, there's like, there's like four, <laughs> uh, because uh, most of them have closed, and the ones that are open are only doing takeaway. But we're gonna get into that. Uh, I know a lot of uh, my inbox has been just constant. I reckon I get one every two days. A message from someone saying, "Hey, when are you gonna bring the Mitchin back?" And uh, most often I say, fuck off. <laughs> but I thought people need some some happiness right now. And there's no happier man in the world than my co-host, my co-host, Mitchell Orr. Welcome back to the Mitchin, your own podcast, Mitch. Welcome What's back. Up, uh, so I looked it up, dude. This is episode 70. God, where are we up to? E- episode 75. The last episode that we recorded together was 73. And um, it was when Anthony Bourdain had just died. Yeah. And you and I, we hadn't recorded for months at that point anyway. Um, that was in yeah, 2018. Um, and, uh, and so we kind of had a catch up then. Then like a couple of weeks after that, um, Duncan from um, Africola was like, hey man, come interview Maddie Matheson at this. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right this weird beer and barbecue event. So like in true Mitch and fashion, it's just a, like, I don't think it's probably completely unlistenable drunken yelling match between me and other loud chefs. I remember Ben from fucking, uh, what's the Thai restaurant? There's one in Melbourne. There's one in Sydney. I should know. The name of his. What's that? From Chin Chin. Yes. Ben from Chin Chin, especially belligerent in that episode. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, I mean, the, the last proper Mixed Gen episode that actually counts, you and I were catching up, and here we are catching up again. Do you want to, like, start where we are at now and go backwards, or shall we start That's where we were then probably and like, go forwards? You know, like, I'm sure because you've had a really eventful couple of months, couple, yeah, like, yeah. couple of years. I mean, I think, you know, all that kind of stuff, so I don't really know if we need to dwell in the past on that on that shit. Like, you know, if... Can, can we do it quickly? Yeah, I mean, sure. Where do, where do you want to where do you want to go with it? Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, Acme, a restaurant that you opened with three others. Um, in what year did you, you guys open? Two thousand and fifteen, maybe two thousand four. We were open for five years. Yeah, which is huge. It's all, it's, it's such a long time. The end of two thousand fourteen, September two thousand fourteen. I think one consistent like voice depend no, no matter who is talking saying talking about it on the podcast one message that i feel like comes through on every episode of the mention is that running your own restaurant sucks so to be <laughs> to to be in charge of yours for 5 years and have it running for 5 years is is massive um it dropped down from four of you running it to two of you running it for the last year yeah the last year and a bit yeah and it was you you and cam um and then uh uh, you guys made the decision to close it um, midway through last year, was it? Yeah, we sort of, like, the decision was we were going roundabout with it for quite a while. And, um, you know, it was, it was like you're saying, it's just, it's hard having that weight on your shoulders the whole time and all that financial responsibility. And, you know, the industry has been really hard for a long time. And I think it gets harder and harder for small independent operators. And Cam and I just sort of sort of come to a point where we'd had enough of dealing with everything and we'd, we, we felt like we'd proven ourselves and proven what, what we could do and what we wanted to do. And, you know, we just sort of, it was time, you know what I mean? Like business was, was hard and it'd been hard for quite a while. We'd made some bad decisions over the years and, had some falling outs and realized that, you know, you're sort of carrying more weight than other people or whatever the case may be. And we just felt, you know, like we can keep sort of circling the drain, so to speak, or we can just sort of get ourselves out from under it and deal with the consequences of closing it, whether that be we're still in massive debt and we have to just work our way out of it. But it just made more sense to us to make the decision and not carry on. And the other thing was our lease would have ended in March of this year. So, you know, ideally we wanted to, in an ideal world, we would have seen out the term of our lease and had a last sort of hurrah and that kind of thing. But we were just really worried about going through another tough winter and digging a really deep hole that we might not ever get out of. So we made the decision earlier and then, you know, we sort of undenied and looked at all our options and what to do and where to go and how to handle it. And we probably dilly-dallied a little bit on that too much and had a little bit too much outside advice and we should have just listened to our gut because the day we announced that we were closing, we gave ourselves a month. And from that day, the next day after I put the announcement on Instagram, we had a thousand emails, 500 missed calls. Like hmm. we were, we had had more interaction and demand than when we first opened the doors. So 
there's one thing Sydney loves more than an opening restaurant, and that's a closing restaurant. So, that's, you know, we have. I reckon we have the the biggest cases of FOMO in the world. Like, only people only want something when when they think they might not get it. Yeah, exactly. Ever again, yeah. It would have been really nice if we could have drawn that out for six months and seen our lease through or whatever. But when you make the decision, you kind of got to make the decision. And it was. It was amazing, bro. Like we were the busiest we'd ever been. We did record nights every night and we certainly didn't walk away with any money in our pockets, but it kind of saved us. Like at one point we were, we were considering bankruptcy and mm-hmm. all that horrible kind of shit. And that, that last month really turned our fortunes around and, you know, we still lost a bunch of money, but we came out with no debt and we came out at zero, which is a really like you know from a business side of things not a personal side of things so that was really amazing and the way it ended just really made us realize that people did actually love the restaurant and it was an important restaurant hey mitch i know you're you're very emotive but you're you're currently recording using a phone um, and i'm banging you, on the table you, you can't bang the table <laughs> you're passionate i get it <laughs> But yeah, so that that last month really like turned everything around for us, especially like mentally and all that kind of stuff as well. And it was was really incredible to see the love and and all of that kind of stuff that people had for the restaurant. So that was really good. And then you know we we didn't really have any time off. Cam took a job with the Bathers Pavilion guys, and I took a job with Morris Tazzini, and we opened Chichibella in September of last year. Taking over um, the site that was the pizza place. Um, yeah. What was it called again? Dorazio. Dorazio. Um, and so you're you're now doing a, or you were up until a couple of weeks ago, um, like you know it, it's un- unmistakable, like unmistakably your menu still, like you still have like all of your pastas and even your influences there on pizzas. But I've never really seen you do a pizza menu before, so it's cool. It feels like a good change up. Yeah, I mean it's. It's very, it's very approachable and it's very Italian. There's not really like, I don't, I, I wouldn't call it my food in the terms of the way Acme was my food. It's still yeah. me cooking pasta the way I like pasta to be cooked and making all the pasta in house and all that kind of stuff. And we've got a really talented pizza chef and a really solid crew of guys. And you know, it's it's a really great restaurant and. You know, we have a really good team and a good good energy between us all, and it's fun. But it is much more Italian. It's much more straight down the line and very approachable, and we try and keep it really simple, and I don't get too too crazy with anything. There's no, there's no sneaky Asian ingredients making their way into your pastas? There are some little <laughs> things, but we don't, we don't advertise them, you know what I mean? Right. And they're, they're very much hidden. So, yeah, it's... When you see it on the plate and when you taste it, it's very classical Southern Italian style of food. Um, my favorite thing at at Chichibella and the couple of times that I've been there is always the the, the small plates of vegetables that you get out because the antipasti, antipasti that that kind of that kind of menu I reckon is just so good. Like I could, even though I love your pasta more than anything, like I I think there is a lot to be said in like that that menu of small dishes that you can just get dropped on the table immediately and share and it's almost like a bar menu in a way but like that in itself is satisfying enough to me as as a meal in the last sort of month or so we kind of actually changed that up a bit and um sort of started doing a bit more composed entree plates 
because we sort of found that, you know, the clientele of where we are and, and the clientele that, you know, frequent the icebergs group venues sort of prefer that kind of thing. So we're trying to listen to our customers and, and give them more of what they want. So we kind of switched that up a little bit in the last month before all this shit fucking went down. So now you're up to speed, everybody. I think along the way there was a pop-up, a Cambodian pop-up that you did. Yeah, so that was that was 28, uh, the end of 2018? Yep. Yeah. So that w- we did that for a few months We in conjunction with Maryvale. And now um, Soph and Lil have had started to do their own pop-ups as well. They did their first one at Cafe Parsley just before all the, shot, the shutdowns and stuff came into place, so... There was a great um, uh, Mitchin episode with Sophia where we talked about um, like Cambodian food in general. That's like one of my favorite episodes. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. And that's the kind of food that Sophia was doing with with Lil, who was working with Mitch at Acme uh, many years ago. It feels like so long ago. Everything, everything now because of the, the current situation. Like, I know. fucking hell, it's, it's insane. Um, so, do you want to talk about? like these last few weeks and like when you realized something was like, you know, a massive change was about to come in. Cause I feel like a lot of people were winging it and going, Oh, like, you know, it's not, it's not going to be as big as a bigger deal as everyone is, is expecting it to be. But then suddenly it was more so. Yeah. I think, I think I kind of, I saw it coming. Um, and it's, it's very different now because I don't have my own business anymore. And I'm in a way, I'm very glad that I don't because this really might have might have broken me mentally and financially. Um, and I'm also glad that Acme closed when it did, because if we had have got to the point where we were running our lease out, it would have meant our lease ended and then all this shit happened right on top of that. And all of our <laughs> yeah. staff wouldn't have had jobs and, you know, Cam and I wouldn't have had jobs and all that kind of stuff. So it would be a really different situation to what we're in now for a lot of people that we care about. Do you have a job at the moment? No. No. So going back to like I've been following like I still look at I still use Twitter. I don't really tweet anything, but I still follow a lot of food people overseas and a lot of media stuff and and that kind of thing and so I was following along and seeing the way it was affecting other countries and especially places like London and Denmark for example before it sort of took hold in the States. And, you know, Denmark was really quick on shutting everything down. And we, we really saw that everyone sort of went, went, everyone decided to either close down for a period of time or decided, okay, we're just going to do takeaways and all that kind of thing. And then to see America follow suit and handle it a lot worse, but eventually get to the point where, okay, you can only do takeaway or delivery and, then what happens with that because the delivery um, companies really gouge restaurants and fucking make a huge profit off restaurants and all that kind of stuff and the politics there and then how do restaurants survive, how do they keep paying their rent, how do they keep paying their staff and all that kind of stuff. So I was, I could sort of see it coming but, also, you know, that doesn't mean that I was any more prepared than anybody else or that I could do anything more because – that power of decision isn't mine to make anymore. And it's also, you know, no one knew how we were going to react here. No one knew how the government was going to react. 
no one knew what the disease was going to do here, if people were going to pay attention and socially distance and all that kind of shit. So it's really, it's unheralded. Like nothing like this has ever happened before to any industry and especially um, the hospitality industry and the arts industries and the live music industries and all that kind of stuff are really the first to wear it because we're based on having crowds in places and people coming out and being social. So, you know, yeah, so we were sort of umming and ahhing and waiting for, you know, personally waiting for our directors to make their decisions and, you know, decide what tack they were going to take. And they they themselves were waiting for, like, the government yeah, to get exactly, directions too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like They're waiting for the government to get their shit together and fucking say there's going to be something happened yet. <laughs> well, no, and it probably never will, to be honest. But, um, you know, so the directors made the decision, I think, on the 16th of March, the 15th or the 16th maybe, whatever that Sunday was, that the venues were going to close for two weeks as a minimum and all staff were stood down immediately, basically, in order to be able to sign straight up for Centrelink and all that kind of stuff as well as for the businesses to try and preserve themselves and be able to come back and reopen whenever... This you know we still don't know when this is going to end, but so you know that was the decision they made that it was going to be two weeks and then we'd reassess and you know literally two days after our directors made that decision, the government made the decision that um, you 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 went takeaway or nothing basically. So yeah. we were like, okay, well, you know we're just going to stay closed and get our ducks in line and then decide what we're going to do. And yeah, but. You know, we really noticed the drop-off probably even three weeks before that happened. We really noticed a downturn in trade. Um, and the government really didn't help in any way, shape or form with um, the constant changes of social distancing regulations, be it 1.5 meters or then you're not allowed a certain amount of people in a certain square footage and then it got tighter and tighter and tighter and they basically put a stranglehold on hospitality the arts live music all of these industries that create a fucking shitload of jobs the hospitality sector is the largest employer of people after the government we're the second largest employer of people in the whole country so there wasn't really any forethought because we can't work from home. You know, we've got no choice. And all these regulations, while they were, they needed to be done to flatten the curve, as the saying goes, there was really no forethought into the fucking long-ranging effects that they're going to have. Sorry, bro, I'm banging the table again. I know, I just I was going to give, give a warning to our, our listeners. Uh, Mitch has started using both hands to emote now. <laughs> so... So, yeah, so we really noticed a drop-off in trade and um, in a lot of people were still coming to the restaurant and we took tables out and all that kind of stuff. And But we really noticed the effect of it for, for probably three weeks. So we knew it was going to be a pretty dire situation. And, yeah, like now it's really, really wide-ranging and it's really fucked for a lot of people. And at the moment, you know, like our businesses have registered for JobKeeper and we're waiting for that to take effect. It only just got passed on Wednesday through Parliament. But 
the government's not doing anything for our visa holders and our visa workers, which is really fucked up. They're actively saying they should go home. It's that they couldn't be doing less. Like, yeah. They, they fucking can't go home now, you know what I mean? And they're a massive, massive part of our workforce. And they've been here paying their fucking taxes and all that kind of shit. So it's, it's, it's a really fucked up situation. And, you know, like I, I'm saying this from a really privileged position because I've never been in this position before where I couldn't go and get a job because hospitality is, has always been one of those things that no matter where you are in the world, someone needs cooks and people always want to go to eat. You know what I mean? And now, it's it's impossible and it's really inspiring to see how creative um different chefs can be be it josh nyland doing his his at home stuff and his packs or, or you know bella bruda switching straight to takeaway and getting set up online and people flipping and you know doing bakeries six penny doing their general store monopole doing their general store all this kind of stuff where people's creativity and ingenuity and entrepreneurism is coming through, but it's done purely out of being in fucking survival mode because if they don't do this, we're not going to last. As long as rental payments aren't frozen, as long as mortgage payments aren't frozen, as long as all that shit, even this, you know, the JobKeeper payment, it's not enough to sustain all these businesses and moving to takeaway or delivery is not enough to sustain the whole industry. You know, so it's going to look really fucking different on the other end of it. And we're going to have to look at how we operate businesses and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to take a long time for the economy to come back because as long as we're not pausing and freezing rental repayments, mortgage repayments and all that kind of stuff, as well as putting money in people's pockets, when we come out of this, no one's going to have any fucking money either. People are going to have to sell the venues. People are going to have to, you know, lose their leases. Like, yeah. Lose their leases, sell their houses, all this kind of shit. Not be able to get jobs because it's going to be fucking unemployment skyrocketed and it's going to, you know, there's people aren't going to be able to afford to reopen their, their businesses and rehire all these people, possibly myself included. So the economy is going to be flatlined for fucking years to come. You know what I mean? Unless we just go, okay, everything's shut down, everything's fucking frozen. And the government puts 750 bucks in everybody's pocket a week. And then, you know, then people will have some money to come out of it and the economy will kickstart. But that's not going to happen. So who fucking knows, bro, really? Yeah, and it's so weird because I feel like the majority of the measures that have been put in place have been half measures because Scott Morrison, our prime minister, is so focused on, on the economy side of things more so than the kind of general health. But in doing these weird steps of only semi-closing things and not officially banning things from being open, he's fucked over businesses so much more. And I feel like the economy is going to be worse off because of it. A hundred percent. And you know, like there's been multiple people smarter than me say this kind of thing, but you know, when airlines get like hundreds of billion dollars in bailout money and sectors like the arts and hospitality get fuck all, when we generate so much more money for the economy and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's really fucked, bro. You know, like when, when these big companies spend all their profits buying up their own stock and driving their own prices up and all this kind of shit and taking advantage of their workers and X, Y, Z, and they get, they're the ones to get bailed out first. 
while the rest of us are here are left fucking drowning. You know, it's it's really hard and it especially hurts after after like spending the first two months of the year doing like both of our industries, food and entertainment industry, raise so much money for bushfires. Like you know, at one gig out of out, out a week for me was was a fundraiser that I wasn't making money on, and you know I was donating money from other things that I'm involved with, and and now yeah, like my industry died before yours, I guess. Like nightclubs are just like that's that's just not a, not a not a possibility in this current climate. So that they were the first to go. Um, I had every gig for the rest of the year immediately cancelled or postponed. Um, the postponed ones are heartbreaking because people are like, oh, we're going to move the wedding or the, this event to, you know, September or October. I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. You yeah, know? who knows, man? Uh, you know? And as long as the government keeps fucking around, it's only going to get harder and harder and harder, you know? And then I, like the reality of, um, and I'm, I'm sure this is a big issue for a lot of people who supply restaurants, um, I'm... I I was so worried about all my gigs in the future being cancelled. I didn't even stop to think and realise that a lot of work that I've already done this year wouldn't get paid either because venues are just like putting a freeze on everything. So a bunch of pretty much like two, like, you know, every gig I did in February and March, I either had to like hound for like getting information on, on invoices or I just had to accept that those may not ever get paid. Yeah. And that that's really tough, bro. And that's, I think, part of that is something that a lot of people don't realize, you know, like restaurants and clubs and all these kind of things are not money making enterprises. They don't make everybody rich. They operate on very slim margins for the most part. There are some exceptions, obviously, but most, most places operate on really, really, really slim margins. And as soon as income and turnover stops, that's it. Like there's no money if there's no money coming in, there's no money to go out. It's it's really that simple and it's really that fucking difficult. You know, and the other thing people don't realise is how how many other industries have been benefiting from the boom in hospitality? Be it architects, PR companies, um, building companies, tourism. Or like I have friends that work in interior design and architecture that have been stood down because 80% of their business is hospitality and it's all been gone. Building, like all these building firms building these massive fucking structures and complexes and stuff that are trying to get restaurants into them to fill them and raise their value and attract their, their other tenants. All that shit stopped. You know, it's not just hospitality. It's, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. PR companies, all their work's gone because there's no hospitality industry and they've got nothing to fucking do. Yeah, they can't all promote PlayStation or soap or whatever. <laughs> and then they're on the same thing, like, what do we fucking do? So they're out trying to go, hey, pay us money to promote this or let's do an event and we'll take some money. You know, like, it's fucked. It's fucked for so many people. And, you know, like, I live week to week, bro. Like, you know, I had a business for five years that fucking took all my money. I live week to week. but. I'm more concerned about the my casual employees that were from overseas and sent money back home every week to support their families or, you know, shit like that. Like, they're not being looked after either, you know? Like, it's it's really tough, bro. Yeah, like, I, I, I also book a number of DJs as well. And so when the venues that they played didn't, um, didn't pay me, I just had to make the decision. I was like, you know what? these DJs did work for me, even though I haven't received the money from them. I, I won't sleep knowing that I haven't paid them for work they've done for me. So I'll just take, take the loss on this for, for the time being, hoping that one day, like, you know, that this money will be returned to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a sex. It sucks when you've already done the work. Um, and it makes me always think of that, that stat that like no one's more fucked over by restaurant closures than suppliers. Suppliers, farmers, um, you know, and they've all had to pivot too. They're, so they're all doing, you know, Game Farm, Get Fish, Jotto, Vix, Havericks, all our veg suppliers are all doing, you know, they've all opened up availability to the general public to buy stuff direct from them so they can keep their operations open as well. And, you know, some of these companies sit on millions of dollars worth of stock. And yeah. now there's no one to fucking buy it, you know? And what do the farmers do with all their produce? And, you know, like, how do they survive? You know, it's it's really – and that's that's a big thing, but, like, that's what I mean, too, about it's much more far-reaching than just restaurants. It's whole other sectors and industries that are, you know, supported by us and we're supported by them. And if one of us goes down, we all go down. It's – um there's a lot of crazy little effects that I've been noticing. Like, strawberries are really cheap at the moment because the main markets in Sydney had to close – so everyone had to offload all their produce. And so some some produce that I guess would be being bought up by restaurants right now is now crazy cheap in supermarkets. But then other things that, that like, you know, like I guess like cauliflower and broccoli are still like the highest they've ever been. And everyone's blaming it on coronavirus, but it's actually because of like all the other disasters we've had recently, like the bushfires and the drought season and stuff like that. I mean, that's the thing, bro. It's it's been one thing after the other, having an effect on all this kind of stuff, you know. Like, and margins get slimmer and slimmer because price on everything goes up, you know. Like, and things like like you said, like the bushfires, the drought, floods. Now this, 
it's just compounding and compounding and compounding and yeah, I really, I really don't know what's going to happen, bro. I really do not know. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know if, you know, 50, even 50% of restaurants will reopen. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of mum, like, a lot of solo ventures and little small ventures won't survive, you know, and some will because they'll be able to stand their staff down and just, you know, just have the owners operate them and, do takeaway and whatever the case may be. And, but yeah, like is is the top end of the industry going to survive and the bottom end and the, the middle, the middle of the industry is just going to be gutted or, or who knows, man, I'm not, I'm not clever enough to fucking work it out. So you did mention some, um, some chefs and restaurants that have been clever and have kind of, you know, started new projects to, uh, to support themselves during these months. Um, do you want to give a few shouts out? Let's, let's start with what Josh Nyland is doing um, because he involved you. Um, yeah, so Josh, Josh, pretty much got was one of the first to get on it, I think, and you know he's got a, a he sort of already had a little bit of it going with the fish butchery, so you know he he started going okay that's it let's put a a, a daily menu together each week of take of dishes to take home, because is his is his restaurant St Peter still open or is that closed? It's closed. Closed. So fish butchery is still open. And then he's doing his take-home packs and then, you know, that sort of has, you know, trickled down. And it was definitely, he wasn't the first one to do it. People overseas were straight onto it and, you know, he was just quick on it here. And Bella Bruda went bang, we're a pizza shop. We changed straight to takeaway only and we cut our staff down and we try and survive. Um, Six Penny started doing a general store and they're like a, a bakery every week and they're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday usually, not this week because of um, Easter, obviously. Easter. Monopole in Potts Points doing a marketplace on the weekend as well. Um, Chaco Bars doing take-home packs of, of ramen and that kind of stuff. There's a bunch of places. Toddy's is doing home delivery and takeout. Maryvale's just got their their home, home packets of stuff from different restaurants up and running this week. So yeah, it's take you know it's taken some people longer to make the decision of what they want to do and work out what's viable and how they can survive. But everyone's just trying to do what they can. But how long is that going to be sustainable for? Do you think do you, do you think we could ever see a point where Tichabella reopens as a takeaway restaurant? Um, I I think maybe we're sort of like that's sort of going around in discussion about how that would look if that's worth it, or if we just sort of put our energy into what we come back as when we reopen properly. You know, our group also had a bunch of other projects in the in the pipeline that we were starting to work on and sign leases on and sign deals on and all that kind of stuff. Now all that's gonna be postponed a year, two years, who knows? So yeah. it's gonna look very different for a lot of us, you know what I mean? So yeah, man, like I think if I had my own business still, I would probably be a lot more plugged in. But because I'm just an employee, an employee like everybody else now, I'm, you know, I called Centrelink and I'm waiting for my Centrelink payments and hopefully we get onto JobKeeper and then we'll have to go through, you know, what that looks like as a working week with JobKeeper. Yeah. And, you know, like I know a lot of people are going through that now and I've heard, I've heard some pretty bad stories about businesses using JobKeeper to pay people and keep them doing their full hours without paying them the extra wage. And 
you know, I understand people are doing what they need to to survive, but if you're work, like if you're working, just know your rights and and stick up for yourself. You know, like you've got to survive too, and you shouldn't be taken advantage of either. Absolutely, yeah. I've got two kids to keep myself busy at home, and obviously my wife B is a school teacher, so it was especially frustrating watching because there were so many mixed messages. It was like you know, stay home, but also support local businesses, but also you can't, you can only do takeaway and accept at schools. Schools are allowed to have, you know, 60 kids in the same room. That's fine. Um, and so I was like, you know, we were in full lockdown. I, I bought enough food to last us a month or whatever. You know, it would be a month worth of chickpeas and rice, but we were, we were, we were good. Um, and then I was ready for like full lockdown. And then I was like, oh, wait, Bianca still has to go to work and be surrounded by kids who like cough and sneeze on her all day. Um, and thankfully that we're on school holidays now, but um, it's been it's been a hilarious like me trying to get I actually have more work than I've ever had this year at the moment just because I, I just released a, a book um, not a cookbook but it's kind of related to food it's a kid's book um, called called Nelson I'll talk more about it later in the uh, in the episode but so I've been doing so much press to do with that at the moment and uh, and trying to juggle that and then obviously like you know running the house cooking and then trying to homeschool my six-year-old son while entertaining my three-year-old daughter has just been like the most exhausting shit. I've I've never, I haven't drunk this much booze since I was like, I don't know, like a, a single maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, I I have to admit, like like having a family, especially a six year old who is probably going to remember this time where he was just with me nonstop playing board games and building Lego every single day. He'll probably remember this as like the best days of his life. Um, but that's how I'm going with with a family. You live alone. What's what are your days like? Yeah, well, first of all, shout out to the single parents that have been knowing that struggle for a long time, and then shout yeah, out absolutely. Shout out to all the people smart enough to not have children. I see <laughs> you. I appreciate you. Um, yeah, man. It's the the problem for me is that my natural state that I revert to is laziness. Right. So you know, like I work. I work well under pressure and deadlines and if I want to exercise, I need to go and do something somewhere where I don't have any excuse to not exercise. Yep. Otherwise, I'm lazy as shit. And usually that's fine because I'm fucking working my ass off to come home and have that one day where you sit on the couch and don't do anything. That's cool. But when every day turns into that, you know, you start to feel, you can start to feel real shit about yourself. But, you know, that's why I sort of started doing the recipes on Instagram was really just to, okay, give me something to do for a few hours and then have a fucking shitload of washing up. Man, how much washing up is there to do when you're at home all the time? Jesus. Now, now throw two kids in the mix, dude. <laughs> it's crazy. So, you know, and I was like, I need to engage somehow. And obviously everyone is at home. And we know everyone went and bought fucking mint and tins of tomatoes and spaghetti. And just the thought of everyone cooking really fucking terrible spaghetti bolognese oh, nice. at home was yeah. like, that's it. I need to give people, you know, maybe I can give people some options and, and show them how to do things a little bit better and make it more enjoyable. And hopefully people can learn something and I can have some interaction with people and all that kind of stuff too. So that, you know, and I also didn't want to do a video because I'm not, Every time I do a video for something, I think I'm being really emotive 
and <laughs> I think I'm really like, yeah, this is great, la la la. And then I watch the video and it just sounds like I could not give less of a fuck about what I'm doing at the time. And I just sound really monotone. And, you know, you see Hongi's videos and Hongi's really, really good at overselling it and over emoting so and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But that's what makes him so good at it, you know? So I was like, I don't want to do that. And I want to just have something on my feed that people can go back to as a reference and all that kind of thing. So that's why I started doing it the way I'm doing it. Yeah, you've done some really, really like well-written, easy to follow, um, like simple, classic pasta recipes, but they're like, you know, I guess they're kind of the way you cook them. You yeah, know? Like, and man, like that's yeah. the thing, like this shit is simple. Like it's not hard to do it well, you know, so that's where that came from. And then, you know, I finally started to get myself into a bit of structure and organize a sort of um, a schedule of when I do yoga each week and my favorite instructors have all got their classes online and stuff like that now. So I go, I sort of set my days around that. And then if it's nice and sunny outside, I'll go for a walk once a day around the park, around rush cutters, keeping my fucking social distance from everyone and, and that <laughs> kind of stuff. And then, and then it's okay, bro. It's also, it's also okay to do nothing, you know, like man, if you live alone no, or totally. if you live with just your partner or whatever, like, it's okay to just sit in front of the TV and fucking do nothing or just look at your phone or read a book. Like we all got fired on our day off. You ain't got shit to do. Like it's fine. You know, like, mm. yeah, don't, you know, like I try to not beat myself up about it too much either. You know what I mean? And just be cool about it and take advantage, you know, like I'm sure everybody yeah. needed a holiday. So try and take advantage of it and just enjoy the downtime. Yeah. I'm actually, me I was meant to be in Japan today. Yeah, right. Went went to have left yesterday. Damn. We had, we we cancelled that trip uh, just before the end of February, um, and then and then like yeah, the next the next like three days later, I think all every like public space in Japan closed and yeah, yeah, kind of chaotic. Um, so um, look, you 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 brushed over it, but I think you know it's been almost forty minutes, and I'm sure everyone listening is expecting us to roast Hongi at some point. <laughs> <laughs> You actually hosted one of his uh, one of his uh, cooking videos on your Instagram, which um, I think you publicly admitted on a Mitchin episode to unfollowing Hongi at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but our friend our friend Dan Hong has been doing um, cooking from home videos, isolation videos. He, he's just gone full Sydney weekender yeah. in his hosting style. It's so funny, and like I remember watching one. Just going like, oh man, I hope someone parodies this because like, like you know, he he has like Hongi's kind of host persona is just like his natural personality times, times ten. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's there's one great video. Like he's the, the the best thing about his video is that like you know his wife Rara films it and occasionally makes snappy remarks back <laughs> at him or laughs at him. And then his kids, especially Nami, who's like like seven years old, is just like roasting him in parts. And so it's like there's one point where she like like imitates him. Oh, made my wife. <laughs> it was, that was like such a like, such a great highlight. They're they're really like I can't watch them without losing my shit because yeah like you said it's him times 10 and it's too much like him at zero is fucking more than enough most of the time but that's what makes him so good you know because he can he can dial it up and then having the kids and rara just having absolute shit with him all the time is fucking fantastic too but um our friend grace has actually been making memes out of his videos and cutting yep. them down and posting them on instagram and that's that's almost worth it just in itself what's her instagram handle again 
Uh, fuck, I can't remember. Casino mom, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. Casino underscore mom. That's her. That's her handle. For if you want hongy memes, she's got them. Are you gonna? Have you got more past the recipes planned for the week? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep rolling on them, bro. I've still got. I'm gonna do cacio e pepe, um, pasta fagioli, pasta and beans, and I'm just trying to keep it simple. I've had a few requests for some seafood ones and stuff, so I'll probably do spaghetti vongole at some point and. So, a couple other things like that. But, you know, the idea is that just stuff that everyone either panic bought or already has in their cupboard and it's nice and easy <laughs> kind of thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll keep it rolling from there. People keep wanting me to do the macaroni and pig's head from Acme and stuff. I'm like, you're not going to go buy a whole pig's head. And a pig's head doesn't fit. <laughs> Where the fuck are you going to go to pig's head? And no one, like, <laughs> everyone's ovens at home are shit and you can't run them overnight and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm just, I'm keeping it pretty classic for now. We'll see. We'll see how long we last and how bored we get and then we'll go from there, you know? I love the idea of like all of Sydney panic buying pig's heads. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone's got to do something with all those heads. Oh, that's true. That's true. They can't all be Devon. Yeah. What else you got um, well, so I, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, um, I have a, a book out. Um, Penguin just published my first ever kid's book. It's called Nelson Pub- Pumpkins and Aliens. Um, and it is a book about a kid named Nelson who refuses to eat his vegetables. He hates them with a fiery passion. But um, at midway, middle way through the book, he learns that um, when forced to eat vegetables, vegetables give him superpowers. So there's a series of books that I've, uh, I've been contracted to start writing. Um, I've written two so far, and this is the first one. The next one coming out next year is called Nelson, Broccoli and Spies. And uh, every book is a different vegetable and a different superpower. And so this book is about... Uh, Nelson getting super strength from eating pumpkin soup and he uses his super strength to stop an alien invasion. Um, it's funny, I think. <laughs> it's getting some good reviews. I think it's like selling out a lot of places and they're doing a second printing, which is pretty exciting. That's great. That's great. Um, and then uh, obviously all my DJ gigs dried up. Um, so I And I saw every DJ was like, oh, quick, I better go on Instagram live. And I was like, oh, you can't monetize that. So I, I decided to bring back um, making regular mixtapes because I, when I was younger, I used to make like a minimum one a month. <clears throat> and so I've started a mixtape service on Patreon, which you can go to patreon.com slash levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. And I do now two monthly mixtapes and I'm almost about to hit a goal where I have to record a podcast about those mixtapes, talking about like the history of the music in the mixes and stuff like that. There's also a tier where you can get like 40 mixes, like pretty much every mix I've ever made, um, including a bunch of mixes that I made for you, Mitch. Um, all the way back in like the Duke Bistro days, there's like one called Rap Rap for Dinner that I made back then. Um, so if, yeah, if you look, if you are in an, in an industry with a, that's allowed you to keep a job and are able to support some people like, like myself, uh, patreon.com slash levdog if you need some music, uh, I, got you, I got you covered. And uh, I'm do- I am taking requests for the first time in my life, so uh, holler at me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you you actually did a, a collaboration with Josh Nyland. Are you doing another one of them soon? Yeah, so Josh has um, been kind of, like, you know, was kind enough to hit me up and say, hey, can I make pasta for him once a week? So, you know, we, we've done two. He, and he, just, he comes up with the recipes and what he wants to do, and he just goes, yo, can you make the pasta for me? And I go, yeah, no worries, bro, I'll make the pasta. And, you know, Moz has been good enough to let me go in to Chicha and use the, the pasta machine at Chicha, which has been great. So it's, you know, nice to get out of the house once a week and spend a few hours making pasta and just have that sort of, you know, 
be out of the house and doing what I, I'm used to doing, which is nice. So, yeah, so Josh just hits me up on a Sunday and goes, I'm going to do this. Can you make this shape for me? And I go, yeah, no worries. How much do you want? And um, it's going pretty well, I think. I've Like last week, I made about 25 kilos of pasta for him. So, Fuck me, that's my Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. How how much of pasta would you normally go through a night at Chichabella? Well, that's kind of, it would kind of be about that, but spread out over the whole menu kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, sure, yeah, yeah. And he's, the portions he's doing are also a bit bigger. You know, he's he's giving people 140 grams of pasta, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Like a lot of home delivery services are, are doing really well. My my sister runs a, a vegan meals delivery service called Nourishing Club, and she's the busiest she's ever been in her life now. Yeah, amazing. Um, so it's good to see some some elements of the food industry, you know, doing doing well during this, and hopefully that same goodwill can be extended to all other people in the food industry and and the entertainment industry while yeah, we're at it. Yeah, for sure. All the all the arts, you know, like every, every, yeah. yeah, everyone's doing it tough, you know, and like it's going to start hitting all these other industries as well because all the business is going to dry up and slow down and all that kind of stuff. And people are going to have to start sending down their staff or cutting their staff down. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. And who, you know, we don't know when it's going to end either. That's the, that's the hard thing. It's hard to plan for yeah, the so future when you don't know the future is going to start, you know? Um, so Mitch, I thought um, we could, we could check in with each other every couple of weeks during this. Yeah, um, sure. Mike, Mike Eggett um, uh, wrote wrote like messaged me earlier this week saying like oh can we record a podcast so I'm sure he wants to somehow get in on this too which yeah should be cool fine. I don't know if, yeah. can we try and make that work the three of us from our the comfort of our own homes yeah, yeah sweet, should be fine. doing Zoom do uh, Zoom three ways he's fine I think yeah okay cool all right so we'll we'll, we'll try and do that in the future that that could be really really fun um, Mitch do you want to end it on like should we just say like one thing we miss from one 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 dish from Sydney we miss the most. <laughs> Man, that, that's the thing. I don't like. I don't even know. Like, there's so much. You know what I mean? Like, it's. I just miss. It's not necessarily a dish that I miss. I just miss eat, going out to a restaurant and sitting in a restaurant and eating in a restaurant and being a customer. You know, like. Yeah, I feel you that. Yeah. Yeah, just that social interaction, and you know, like there's the meme going around of you know. It turns out my only three hobbies were eating out, doing unnecessary things, and touching my face. You know. <laughs> so then that's that's really it like my my only hobbies were fucking going to my only hobby was going to restaurants bro you know like yeah. that's it so i i just miss that um i miss seeing my friends at their restaurants doing their thing and you know like it sucks to see all of us hurting you know yeah it's brutal um uh i i get yeah. I've been cooking every meal because I, I live in Parramatta. there's not that much good takeaway out here especially now um, and so like, I think the last meal I had was like a big family dinner at Chat Thai, um, which was a good one to go out on. If you're going to go out on a meal, you may as well make it a Chat Thai meal. I think they're still open though, right? Yeah, they're still doing takeaway. I've hit, I've hit Chat Thai takeaway a couple of times. They, put, they probably won't deliver all the way to Parramatta though. Mm. But uh, on my birthday, birthday this week, we had um, a delivery from um, Taj um, Indian, which is like my favorite Indian place in Harris Park. And uh, it was just like, what an insane treat to not have to cook. <laughs> I just I, literally every fucking meal has been us. I've been us cooking, and also my wife became a pescatarian at the end of last year, and so I was like, oh, that's fine. Like you know, I'll only cook. I won't cook any meat at home anymore. I'll just eat meat when we go to restaurants. Mm. And now I'm not going to restaurants, so I've actually been a, veg, a, a vegetarian 
for almost a month now. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> on, on the flip side of that, I never used to eat at home because I, you know, I'm not one of those chefs that loves cooking at home as well. Like I mm. like going out and being a customer. So on my days off, I would go and be a customer. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, and you're used to cooking for people, not yourself. It's a huge difference. Exactly. So I never had shit in my fridge. My fridges were fucking empty and I never had anything here. I've never had this much food in my house. You know, like my fridges are full. And then, you know, I still don't know what to eat or still not, don't know what to do with them. And then I cook stuff for myself. I'm like, this is whack, man. Like, this has got no flavor. Like, it just doesn't taste as good as somebody else making it for you, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, like, uh, to everyone listening, thanks so much. Hopefully this is like a, I don't know, even though we were pretty negative, <laughs> I hope this is the, the positivity you're hoping for from a new episode of The Mention. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think people expect negativity from us, but... I think it's, I think it's just, it can be reaffirming to know that, you know, everyone's in the same boat, you know, and we're that's, that's the thing. we're all fucked together and, you know, everyone's might be at different degrees of fuck, but, you know, like, like I said, like, don't beat yourself up about it. And if you have any questions you want us to delve more into or anything like that, let us know, you know, we, we aren't doing anything, so we have got nothing else to talk about. So by all means, you know, if there's topics or conversations or you have any queries or questions like you know we can we can try and help out yeah sure what was our email address again i don't even remember was it i don't the know bro at, at gmail.com i haven't checked it in like do they close email addresses if you don't check them after maybe maybe just slide in the dm that's true i'm gonna see i think it's the mitchin podcast at gmail.com but we'll see right, let's do it live mitchin podcast gmail.com that'd be so funny if there's like a hundred emails in here where are you guys <laughs> oh cool it remembered ah oh, no fuck knows what the what the password is okay well leave it with me everybody <laughs> <laughs> um I'll, uh, I'll i'll try and figure out what our email address used to be the mitch and podcast it definitely was the mitch and podcast at gmail.com so send us an email there i'm going to figure out this password i've got nothing else to do so uh you guys stay safe thanks for listening and we'll see you in the future peace ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.